Hi, this is Runa and you're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Sister Dr. Jenna. Oh, you're gonna love this episode. Now, Sister Jenna is a spiritual mentor, author, renowned speaker, and founder of the Meditation Museum in Maryland and Virginia, and host of the American Meditation Radio Show. She serves as one of the evolutionary leaders in service to conscious evolution and was elected by Empower a Billion Women 2020 as one of the 100 most influential leaders of 2015. She is an advisory team member of the Million Mamas Movement and Conscious Good Media and Global Women's Network. Sister of the Jenna also serves as a principal partner with the Oprah Winfrey Network and Value Partnerships on the Believe Team which is a community of individuals from diverse spiritual, cultural, and faith backgrounds. You're going to love this episode, like I say, because here is someone that has really, is so authentic. And as she's been traveling all over 90 countries, where she continues to provide practical life tools and solutions that to empower people to foster and build stronger relationships, Sister Dr. Jenna is really sharing with us valuable insights so that you can become the change that you want to see in your life. Enjoy. (sighs) Sister Dr. Jenna, (laughs) I am so excited for this conversation with you today. The, The work that you have been doing throughout the years, helping people with meditation, everything about you is meditative <laughs> yeah, yeah and everything about you is another thing that I, you know the minute I just think about you when I was preparing for our call I get this really good feeling of peace and and just I go in my flow and so I just think oh my god just tapping into your energy that's where I am well, you're bringing back my memory with you when you were in Washington and we were at the Meditation Museum and just the sense of um, we've known each other before and just a continuation. But I think like being able to have this very soul link with one another, mm. I think that will give us a sense of knowing how deeply connected we all are. And instead of looking at our boxes of the wonderful book that you've done and black, white, Indian, tall, short, good-looking, not. We don't connect. But when we see the soul in each other and begin to, you know, just share our own values with each other, our own virtues, I'm telling you, there are some deep connections between us and people need to practice that more, I think, especially now in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where do you see we as human beings, where do you see we are at, the point that we are at at the moment? Yeah. I think it depends on where you are internally. That's where I see people. It's where they are internally. For me, I've been on the spiritual path. It doesn't mean I'm better than anyone, but it means that 
I'm aware of my weaknesses. And so I'm working on removing those weaknesses from my personality so I can be of a greater service, not only to myself, but for humanity as well. So I think where we all are, this is what I feel now generically. I think we're all in a place of concern, fear, anxiety, hope, which is a great mixture, isn't it? (laughs) And whether you feel that you are spiritually awakened, which means the way you look through your eyes, you see things from a more unlimited perspective versus if you're still sleeping, then your, your vision of the world is a little bit more like this. I feel that overall, though, every one of us, whether you are the leadership of a country or a person who's living on the streets, you're like, you're concerned because everyone's hearing the news everywhere. And if you're not even able to hear the news, to see the news, as a person, you automatically will feel there's a vibration mm-hmm. that's taking place that doesn't feel like it's at peace with itself. So I feel that people are, there are many that I've met that are awakening. Those that I know that are awakened are beginning to question their ability to stay awake because there's sometimes a desire to do something because of what they're seeing. I have to do something. Something's not right with what's going on and they can get trapped in the same energy that they had um, moved away from for such a long time. And I feel that there's a small hand, handful of individuals who are just awake. They're aware. They're not even afraid. They're just doing the work and they're bringing the energy of purity and peace in as many people's minds as possible so that they can create a collective energy that will be a new beginning, that will be the sustainer for humanity. So that's what I kind of see from inside of me very clearly. Yeah, that that does bring hope. But it's an interesting mixture, isn't it? Like fear, anxiety, but I'm hopeful. So it goes to show what's going on inside here, Hmm. that there's a part of my personality that's okay. I love who I am. Then there's this little enemy, this inner enemy that is living so close to me. I wake up with that same energy every day. And until I find a way, how do I deal with this this other side of me? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do I how do I befriend this part of me that lives in the same house mm-hmm. that I, that I see time and time again, creates all of my obstacles and problems. Yeah. And so that's the work that I've been doing of late. I've been finding ways in befriending that enemy one. And secondly, in Hinduism, there's an image of Krishna And Krishna is with this cobra, a bed of snakes. But he had conquered the the venomous snake in such a way that the snake, the cobra, just ends up becoming a canopy of a protection over Krishna. And he just sits there as a master. So even his own weaknesses inside, he says, you're not going to affect me. I know your role. I know what you do. And I'm okay with you sharing the house. I just think it's very powerful. That is very powerful. That is very powerful. And 
sounds what it sounds to me when you're saying this I'm thinking about <clears throat> our tendency to hide our weaknesses cover them somehow up what you're what I'm hearing is yeah what that is like it's like a husband and a wife living in a house and both of them don't get along but then there's a visitor who comes and when the visitor comes everybody's like oh hi Mary you look so great oh everything is fine and what that's doing to me or when I see that, it's just that somehow I'm trying to sort out what's going on with my marriage between my higher self and the part of me that has been very human-driven, very body-conscious. And I, I just don't know what to do to be able to sit comfortably with accepting that this part of me exists. So it's like even in a marriage, after a while you do grow into realizing I can't change him or he might say I can't change her. So what's the answer to that? I feel that it's important to have these authentic conversations. Example. So the knock comes on the door. Mary comes in. We just finished having a a, a struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And I go, hi, Mary, so nice to see you. And Mary might say, okay, no, you know, John and I just had a spat, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. No worries, come on in. We're here, we're about to have lunch. Mm. You know, that kind of an honest discussion begins to help us to move away from the masks that we're wearing and creates a culture of authenticity so that people don't walk around with fear with each other. The fear of being recognized, my marriage isn't working. This relationship is not working. It's like they're having a hard time, but they're working on it. That's where I think honest conversations will always help us through. And not being afraid of being ashamed that, oh my God, I can't believe these two are having a problem. Or even if somebody looks at you and go, oh, Sister Jen is supposed to be so spiritual. Why is she acting like that? Then the way Sister Jen would do it is she would say, today I don't feel so great. Um, but I'm working it through versus I show up and go, hi, how are you? Everything's great. Yeah. Then I might not be aware that I just lied to me and yeah. to my friend. So we have to break that pattern. Yeah, because what we are vibrating is always that chord. So even yeah. though you, say, you go in and you say, hi, how are you? But inside, you just want to rejuvenate, right? Just want to get back into your flow or whatever is going on with you. But yeah, sense, we always sense, don't we? Yeah, something's not right. But look at social media. Every picture yeah. that people take says, hi, hi, hi. Everyone looks so happy. And yet depression is the highest it's ever been. Um, antidepressant drugs is a multi-billion dollar industry. We're in a society where there are a lot of people who feel very alone. So again, it's because of self-deception. And so when you haven't recognized the fact that you're deceiving yourself, then what happens, you can get into a hole that you just don't know how to come out of and you have nobody to talk to. And that's why I feel that, Luna, we are moving into an age of reflection and meditation. I know that now, uh, you know, there are, there are different forms of meditation that exist. The one that I've been practicing for the last 27 years but I've had the influence of it for the last 36 years, is Raj Yoga meditation taught by the Brahma Kumaris. It is a very specific form of yoga and meditation. 
it focuses a lot on the first layer that you peel is stop considering yourself to be a body mm. and consider yourself to be a soul. And when you start to consider yourself to be a soul, natural, innate, universal experiences begin to emerge again because they've always been there. Yeah. When that experience starts to become like, oh, wow, I really am good. I really can feel good. The second aspect of Raj Yoga meditation is consider God to be the supreme soul. Now that's an energy of consciousness that is bigger than any of the creation down below. So it's sort of like when you think of God, it's not Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim. It is an energy of consciousness that exists and it is equivalent to the experience of an ocean of love, an ocean of peace. So imagine if you are walking with the interpretation that I know I'm a soul, I am immortal, I am eternal, I am pure, but I'm so distracted by all the stuff down below that doesn't seem immortal, it doesn't seem eternal, doesn't feel pure. So then internally, I start to feel good about myself and I take my thoughts to a space of awareness and consciousness that I can experience, oh, the ocean of love feels like this again in me. And when you start to experience that love amplifying in you, it's natural when you turn to this person and say, Om Shanti, you're coming from that place. Yeah. Right? So I feel that we're moving towards the age of meditation because with the way that everything is going in the world, everywhere, whether it's Britain, America, Africa. I mean, in, even in New Zealand, that awful shooting that took place in that yeah. Catholic church. And that's almost, that's the next, that's paradise. Yeah. That people are going inwards. They just need to know, well, where do I go? How do I process these thoughts? How, how do I feel me again? So it's a very powerful time. You must think yeah. so too. Yeah, I do. And, and speaking of thoughts and changing our thoughts from the fear-based, even the angry thoughts, the, the thoughts of scarcity, and change it to the thoughts of hope and thoughts of belonging and thoughts of being part of something bigger and it's a possibility. It is. I just came back from Denver, Colorado, where we held a mental health summit for the American Meditates. And it brought about some profound insights. And the crux of it all is there is hope. There could be a day that you wake up and you just broken all of your depressive thoughts, right? You're okay. And another thing that came out of my visit to Colorado is in Aspen. And I asked a woman, a very close friend of mine, Lexi Potemkin, who does a lot of work in the community. I says, what, what's next, Lexi? What do we do next to really help the world? And her response touched me so deeply. She said, Sister Jenna, I've been in the field of human rights and helping humanity for decades. And I've realized for myself that I have to change. And so from that, we came up with a new movement and nobody can use this until you check in with me first. <laughs> and 
what we're hoping is to spread it across the world where it's when I change, America will change. So let's say you state, when I change, Iceland will change. Mm -hmm. And then we are creating that conversation for people to go inwards and be honest and check what these thoughts are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be the whole process. So we're already underway with it and we'll be launching it soon. That is very aligned with what we, the change makers, are, are doing, empowering humans to become yes. the change that they want to see. Yes. So absolutely, I'm in on that one for sure. In your decades, going so deeply into meditation, can you share with us, how did you originally go into meditation? I'm a little bit curious here. Through my parents. My parents were teachers in the Brahma Kumaris. And even though I had no interest, it wasn't really for me. I didn't think I could ever live a life like this, much less to meditate because I was always a very hyper person, not hyper sporadic that you can't spend time with me, but hyper driven mm -hmm. uh, that there's something more that we have to do. Yeah. It was through my parents that I saw a living example of what it can be if you turn inwards and really change these thoughts into wonder. And I think the community of the Brahma Kumaris has um, offered so many examples, like there isn't a guru head. You know, you walk around the whole Brahma Kumaris and you keep asking, who's the leader, who's the leader? And we'll always say, it's God, it's the one. And they're like, no, no, but who's your head? <laughs> People always say this to us, who's your head? <laughs> and we'll go, it's the energy of the divine. Okay. So we just continue on with our work. So I felt a lot of um, affinity to the purity of the um, cause. And that is so beautiful to be able to connect with your divine. I love that. I really love that. We were before the, the press, the record buttons, we were talking about how human beings, how we have this tendency not to see and not to value what we already have, what, what, what is already there, this tendency to think, oh, I would be happy when I have this or when this happens. Or, but when really we always see it isn't about the, the um, materialistic things or or having something when you're ignoring who you are and what you what is already there. I would love to hear your view on that. What do you see with uh, has changed for people in your community and around you when they realize this? Well, my spiritual community is definitely getting more focused on getting rid of any traces of algae left in their personality. And algae is the enemy but also an acronym that I use all the time. A is for anger. Mm -hmm. L is for lust. G is for greed. A is for attachment. And E is for ego. And one of the reasons why the world is in such a flux is because in our thinking, there's the intentional influence of algae which is an energy of chaos, which is an energy of selfishness, which is an energy of I, me, and mine. And it is an energy driven by unfulfilled desires, 
So if you are living a life that is driven by desires and your thoughts, your words, your choices are coming from the root of the intention of a place of lack, it's only natural that even when you get all the material comforts, the soul isn't comfortable. It still doesn't feel full. It doesn't feel complete. It doesn't feel like it's been attained because the motive of what we were doing or going after were for physical needs, physical comforts, thinking that they were going to make us happy. But I feel, again, like I mentioned earlier, there is so much hope because we've all realized now we have in America, it's a big thing to get a big plasma television in your house. Like <laughs> apparently when you get, when you've arrived, we don't even have a television in our home, but having a television, you have a smartphone, you have a car, you're paying a bill every month. Maybe you're earning some money, you know, that's keeping you basic. Majority of Americans live here paycheck to paycheck and they just passed a bill on the house for the minimum wage to gradually increase to $15 per hour, US dollars. So when you think you've got all of these physical things, but morally and ethically, you're empty, you're shallow then that's a sign that something's wrong. So where the Brahma Kumaris community is concerned, we're definitely working on moving that algae out so we don't serve that energy in humanity. Mm-hmm. In terms of for the world, it seems that it's only tragedy that motivates people to turn inwards and to mm-hmm. um, make a difference. And if that's the way it has to be, then that's the way it has to be. But can I tell everyone who's watching this for listening in, Yes. Don't be fooled by what you see in the media, that that's all that's happening. There are quite a big amount of people in the world that are doing a lot of good, but the media just doesn't cover it. So once in a while, turn off the television. You get your updates 10, 15, 20 minutes. They will roll it over for hours upon hours. Uh, We just had um, a shooting again in California. And again, the issues with gun law here in America is driven by a lot of power and a lot of money. And here everybody thinks you have the choice to decide how you're going to use these weapons. But there are individuals who um, are lonely, are hurt. Can I tell you this? If I wasn't awakened, Mm -hmm. but I'm an empath, which means I'm so sensitive to the energies around me, yeah. And I'm watching the news, so I happen to end up on the YouTube that's telling me things about how the conspiracy is increasing and how bad the world is, etc. I would reach a point in me emotionally that I wouldn't know what to do. Perhaps I'd feel so powerless that if I do have an AK-47, maybe I'm so brainwashed that maybe I just go out and go, you guys are bad, you guys are bad, and end up doing something atrocious. Mm-hmm. because I don't have the strength. Yeah. So when you're thinking about, it's not just about the choice of people, it's about everybody saying, what can we do to go inwards, heal these thoughts that are driven by algae, transform them into divine thoughts where God, the ocean of love, is influencing the way that I think, we don't need to be in this problem, Muna. Yeah. Everything is easy. You know, but again, it's moving out that energy of uh, greed and power. And we're going to do it. Your book did it well, and you're 
work with change makers here and the agents of change. It's, it's doing it. It's just that we have to stay consistent, disciplined, honest, transparent. And if we mess up, speak about it publicly, talk to our friends and get over it easy, quickly. Yeah. yeah. Thank <laughs> you for that reminder. Talk about it. <laughs> Everything sounds so good. Yeah, exactly. But I know myself from my own experience, it can be done. And you can change. You can change your thoughts and you can go deeper and you can start to value who you really are and go into that love ocean of love, which I that I I, I just saw that so vividly when you said that that ah oh, I want to be in that in that ocean. And and it is possible. And that bit about being aware of what is going on and how I can choose how I want to react is such a key thing. Yes. Yeah. I often experience it be that little space between uh, seeing it and, and, and feeling something happening or watching something happening or listening to something happening. And that just that small space when you take that (gasps) and then deciding what I'm going to do about it. And so meditation has been a great help for me and what you're doing. I think a lot of people are confused about meditation in the context of uh, it's been somehow propagated that when you meditate, you empty your mind. (laughs) And Perhaps that's why when I was much younger, I go, I would never be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And even when people come into the meditation museum in Washington, I think they come with the expectation that we will tell them how to empty their mind because it's something they feel they can't do. So what I share with them is that, well, we're not here to do that because you can't empty your mind. You have a life. Your soul is sitting in the body. As a result of that, you are living out a part that's a very beautiful part. There are parts of you that's the villain and there are parts of you that's the angel. And maybe the villain has taken over a lot of your life right now. And that's what you want to silence. But you don't want to silence all of your thoughts of inspiration, creativity, love, perseverance, tenacity. You don't want to silence those thoughts. That's what makes the world go around, right? Mm -hmm. So we will basically guide individuals to accepting that when you sit inwards, when you don't feel at peace, then identify what that thought is. Is it connected to a person, a situation, an event, an experience that has been hurting your peace? Then look at what that thought is saying and then begin to have a gentle, loving dialogue with it and say, if I had known better, I would have done this. I I really have to let this go from within me. And while you're talking your way through that, you're feeling much more you, Mm -hmm. for you. And then the second thing you start to develop in the process of the Raj Yoga meditation is a deep sense of um, respect for yourself and value. So you're accepting that there is this sort of a unangelic part of you, you know, the enemy, the algae. You know that it's there and you know it's driving a lot of the things that you're doing today. But your intention is, I need to live with this energy in me with value and with respect, knowing the role that it plays mm-hmm. and knowing that I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to amplify who I really am. So imagine there's that algae in you, that little soul here, mm-hmm. and then there's the real you. And that algae has been influencing everything about you much more than 
the real you. So when you're meditating, you're allowing the real you to begin to influence the algae. Hmm. Until the algae starts to become dormant. Mm -hmm. It's still there. Mm -hmm. But it becomes dormant. It no longer has a very deep influence on you. So where your influence is now coming from is you, the soul, that's filled with the qualities of love and peace, but also you, the soul, who now has the ability to develop a link with source. And the energy of the love that's coming from the source is basically silencing that and allowing you to live out the part that you're here to live out, to make a contribution to the world. So many people come to me and say, I see the world's coming to an end. I says, yes, algae is coming to an end. But do you have enough of your experience of yourself? That would be the continuity. Mm -hmm. So that's how I, I hope I answered the question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's a very subtle process in, yeah. in here. It's very subtle. Mm-hmm. No, because I think we kind of need to practice silence. Yeah. And silence is an inner practice of not allowing what I call your PTP, right? So your persistent thought pattern, yeah. which has been conditioned by the algae. So when you're in silence, your observance level becomes very acute. Mm -hmm. So in your silence, you're able to see the same thoughts you keep having, those persistent thought patterns which are conditioned by the algae, but they're not serving any purpose for you now because now you're you're becoming honest and truthful that I don't want that energy in me anymore. So silence to us is stop feeding the waste and negative thinking, but keep thinking. So here's a practice that I always uh, lead in very large meditations. I'll invite individuals just for a little bit, consider what it would be like if you broke away your attachment to your name, gender, role, title, religion, language, nationality, and your body. Imagine you don't own those anymore. You're not attached. Then the question after that is, how does that feel for you? And then in that state, Who would you think of? Where would your thoughts go? And who do you think would think of you? And then we would feel the connection to God, the ocean of love and peace. Mm -hmm. And that always just brings everybody right back to, this is me. Mm -hmm. And so when they bring that experience into the role, the title, they're a different version of themselves. And that comes from the practice of inner silence. Yeah, and and that's that's the, the world of no boxes. That's why I love your book. <laughs> it's exactly peace, uh, liberation, happiness, ocean of love. Mm. I have to tell wow. you now, I'm just so, I'm paying so much more attention to, am I really being real? Like, 
wherever I go and programs and this big mental health summit, I was with a lot of beautiful friends and leadership voices in the country. And they were with Sri Ravi Shankar and we were all together. And, you know, there were people just moving and doing their thing. And I was just like, you know, whenever I have a really deep moment with someone, I'll just wait for that. Mm. And I felt like being able to do that just continues to be of greater service for me than, you know, let me go talk to 10 more people who are doing my work. And um, I would just sit there and would just wait for all the right people to show up and have really intimate, nice gatherings. And that served me. So I'm working on being more real on my spiritual journey. More real. Ah, Sister Jana, (laughs) thank you for helping us to understand how we can become more real and serve this world in a way where we all feel we can be in the ocean of love. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely beautiful. Unfortunately, we've come to an end, but I could go on forever with you. That's for sure. Thank you. Loved being with you on air and keep up your good work as well. Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the Changemakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your life.